Book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10, and from the book of Psalms, chapter, chapter 46, verses 5 through 10. First from, I, from Isaiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Shall, it shall bro- blossom abundantly and rejoice with re- and rejoice with sh- joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the ma- and the, ma- the majesty of Carm- Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the, ma- and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water, the haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, and the grass shall become the reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called Holy Way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And now from the book of Psalms. Happy are those who help is the Lord of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice from the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up to those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteousness. The Lord watches over strangers. He upholds the orphan in the wind and the window, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. O God, o Z- your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Savannah, for reading that entire book for me. <laughs> Let us pray. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher. And on these, your blood-bought servants through Jesus Christ. Amen. Out of everything that Savannah read, I really only need two verses from Isaiah chapter 35. I just need verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as an heart, and heart is a male deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. This is our third week of Advent, and we continue our series in Advent of, called Elevating Our Praise and Worship. This entire Advent season has been set aside to remind us that what we do best and what God wants the most from us is our praise and our worship. 
God desires our hearts to be so full of love for what God has already done in Jesus Christ that we break out instantly in a praise and worship that comes from the inside out. And so we, we are trying to get back to elevating our worship as we, we thank God for all that we've been through and then come to sing God's praises and we come to hear God's praises read and preached. And in this series, Isaiah is our worship leader as his writings are our anchor text for these four weeks of Advent. We are using the psalm to give us the mood, the theme, and some soul into what Isaiah is saying. In the first sermon, we heard, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. House of the Lord means entering into praise and worship of God, whether it's in your car, in your home, or in this worship center. I was glad when they said unto me. It captures something of the Advent spirit this year. I was glad to go into a space of worship of God. I was glad when I was able to sing a song that brought me into the elevation of where God is this Advent season. We are going up. Why? Because going up means to elevate what we've already been doing. Let's crank it up a notch and go a little higher. Going up to worship is always up. That was a geographic reality for the Jewish people. Jerusalem was built on a hill, much like normal Calvary church areas. So no matter which direction you approach Jerusalem, you were always going up to worship God. And friends, we too are asked to come up this Advent season to elevate our worship and to elevate our praise and to give a little bit more from who we are back to God than we usually give. This Advent season, the anticipation of watching and waiting, waiting for Christmas, but not really, because Christmas is the day we set aside for praise, but what it means has already been done. Last Sunday, Michael taught us that if we are going to elevate our praise and worship, we must find peace. We cannot worship God without peace in our lives, peace in our hearts. It is a peace that Michael says that we can only get from Jesus Christ. A peace that comes from Jesus. A peace that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. So if we want to elevate our worship and praise, we need to be in touch with that part of us that God planted in us in Jesus Christ, and that is peace. This is Joy Sunday in the season of Advent. Joy Sunday says it all. The third Sunday of Advent is marked by the lighting of the pink candle on our wreath. It is the one where we are reminded of the news that shall be a great joy to all the people. A news that Emmanuel, God, is with us now and forever. And we stand in the promise even today even here in this space and in your space, wherever you are, we stand recognizing God is with us. No matter where we are, we're never one second without God's presence in our lives. There can be no greater joy than knowing 
that our God is with us. Our God is not laying in a cold tomb somewhere unknown. Our God is with us. All of life is made up of seasons. In the physical realm, we began life as a baby. Well, not in swaddling clothes. I, don't, I think those were milk rags, but not anymore. Maybe in one of Jane Romack's handmade blankets and birth cloths that she and her team gift away to the Healthy Start Ministry of Babyville or to the birthright ministries that they, they so give their heart to, to, to skillfully crafting these blankets and birth cloths. My children were wrapped in clothing designed by the Mark twins. You guys know the Mark twins, right? Wall and Kate. Yeah, they were clothes and some of the best designer clothes that the Mark Twins could ever make that come out of their stores. So, my brothers and sisters, from there we grow through adolescence into young adults attempting to meet the challenges of life, attempting to take God with us with all the responsibilities as we learn to duck and dart the arrows of life, always hoping that when we reach our season years, life will get much easier, much more palatable. There are seasons in the spiritual as well. This season of Advent marks the coming of Christ. All during this season, our focus is entirely on Christ and the Christ's work that he's done for us. And friends, that is as it should be. For without Jesus, there really is no reason for this particular season. We begin our sermonic text today with the word, then. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as a heart, an adult male deer, and the tongue of the dumb should sing. Then and then and then and then. And my immediate question is, when, Jesus? When shall all these miracles take place? The verse just prior to that fifth verse is verse 4 is this. Behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. And immediately, I want to know when. When, Jesus? That's the pressing question, I think, for all of us. It's the pressing question for those who are suffering in ill health. It is also the pressing question for those caught in a marital war zone or those who are spinning out of control from addiction, those who are tired of struggling at the bottom of the food chain, those parents who don't understand their children whom they raised a certain way and now they're headed in a direction that you can't understand and you simply have to wring your hands. Those who are fraught with the responsibility of caring for an ailing loved one and those who go unrewarded in their workspace. Am I on your street yet? I can keep going. There's a lot of things that I want to know when so that we, I don't have to continue to go through this anymore. We take a glance at this song in Isaiah's hymn book, and we find the answer to the question. Isaiah has been teaching and prophesizing on the Lord's judgment and the impending deliverance of Israel from its oppressors. 
His whole focus is, is on their return from exile. The poetry of this entire chapter paints a vivid picture of the flashing brightness of their return against the barrenness of our question, when? When we read Isaiah's prophecy, we see debilitated individuals leaping under a power that's not their own. We see blind individuals suddenly see, and those with speech impediments are no longer speechless by the power of God. If we read still further, we see dry and thirsty lands burst forth with southern streams of refreshments. Across the wilderness, there stretches a highway in the middle of the desert, a place too plain to be missed but too high to be occupied by our adversaries. And we envision Isaiah's troops merrily leaping along in song, returning home from exile with hope in their hearts as the journey to Zion to claim the miracle that God has promised them. They all hope for the same thing, a joyful home undimmed by the sadness where longing and sorrow can never be heard again. And still, the question lurks between the poetic lines. When? Isaiah was a poet, and this is poetry at its finest, my brothers and sisters. But there is a fuller meaning to this prophetic song. It is not just a creative way of exalting the coming of the Lord by weaving together images of vanishing evil and subsequent good. Isaiah is painting a picture of four seasons of miracles that God performs in our lives. We seek the question then, if there are four seasons of miracles, what are they, Isaiah? Is the first season the song of celebration from Israel, for Israel returning from exile to the promised land? I think that's the first one, most certainly. But there's, there's, that's not only in that season. There's another season that shines through Isaiah's prophecy. There's still another. It is the promise of undying possession of the promised land. I think prophetically, Isaiah could see them walking of King's Highway into that land. But then there is another season. It is in fact that God is revealing the great gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And yet there's still another season. In the final season, the second coming of Christ is predicted here and it is the next thing on our Christian calendar. Isaiah's song we see the shadow of these seasons of miracles in which God comes to deliver us. The same principles are at work in each event that we see. Each event ends in the simulated joy that we burst into because we have been delivered by God. Four seasons are represented in this beautiful Advent text, and they all represent seasons of restoration. Isaiah was ultimately restored, Israel was ultimately restored to their homeland as God had promised them. Christ has come to restore our relationship with his Father, our Heavenly God. 
Modern Israel is fighting to keep its restoration of the promised land alive in the 21st century. And Christ is coming again to restore all of creation back to where we belong in God's house forever. All of the miracles of Isaiah's song are symbolic, brothers and sisters. Just as Christ's miracles were symbolic, the outward and visible always harmonizes with the inward and the spiritual. These four miracles of Isaiah's song demonstrates for us the power of God in Jesus Christ to restore our spiritual capacities, which are all but destroyed if we live in this world without Christ every single day. When we read this chapter of Isaiah, we discover, we discover this truth. We may be a mess, but Christ has a miracle for our mess. We may be souring now, souring, but Christ has a solution for our sorrow. Isaiah's song sings of three types of bodily infirmities that Christ is able to cure. Symbolically, blindness and deafness are defects in perception. They stand for our powerlessness to affect the knowledge that we put in our head. Too much knowledge is going in our head that's not knowledge of God and what God is calling us to do. Too much knowledge is going in our head that crowds out what God wants us to do and we put junk into it from everywhere, from the radio, from the television, from the newspaper, and even at the coffee shop. Lameness affects our powers of motion, our ability to stand for our powerlessness over activity, the ability to realize that we have a power that the world can't see and the world can't take it away. The dumbness affects our powers of speech and stands for our powerlessness over the tongue and sometimes the hurtful things that come out of our mouths. In this prophetic song, Bodily diseases symbolize spiritual infirmities. Bodily diseases symbolize spiritual infirmities. We have organs, but they are powerless. We are blind and deaf because their power of perception are destroyed by sin's disease. We are blind to the starry, starry truth that shines like, a sil like silver in the heavens. We have ears and consciousness and intuition, and yet we are deaf to the very voice of God that seeks to call for our attention, which has gone out to the ends of the earth. Yet, in spite of our condition, Isaiah paints a picture of Christ as the one who can restore as the one who has the power to give us the knowledge that we need. It is true, my brothers and sisters, that we see the gloomy view of our actual condition and the declaration of our abnormalities. But then we read with excitement his confidence in Christ and Christ's impending cure for whatever the world has dealt us. Jesus is able to effect a miraculous cure for our inability to see beyond our capacity of our finite minds. Christ 
is also the redeemer of the power of action. Isaiah sings of Christ's power to lift our jury load from our backs and make us joyfully strong and agile. The true view of Christianity is not that it weakens our view of the present, but that it heightens our power of action. A life plugged into Christ, a jar of heavenly oxygen will glow through us and redouble our brilliance and redouble our visions to be what God has called us to be. Christ is also the restorer of the power of utterance. Utterance is that praise we were created to express to our creator. There was an unholy silence brooding over the world until Christ came to restore our worship and praise. The Israelite exiles could not sing in a strange land and humankind does not sing to the glory of God unless we first find Jesus. When Christ restores our utterance, our spirits spew out the poetry of our faith in God. Just think of the effects Christianity has had on our speech. Its spiritual death gives us a new thing to explore. Its refining words give life new meaning. You can translate the Bible into any new language and the language instantly becomes elevated and enriched. Hearts that are gladdened sing forth their praise with new songs of exaltation. Where there were bowed down heads, heads are now lifted because they have the joy of the Lord in their hearts. My sisters and brothers, we see that to the utmost, Jesus saves. He is able to restore our understanding, our actions, and our speech. To persons seeking higher knowledge, Christ offer a higher gift, the gift of healing. Christ can bring healing to our nation, but he can also bring healing to our own situations. No circumstances can restrict Jesus. No adversary can hinder Jesus. No situation can constrain Jesus. No power can control Jesus. No enemy can defeat Jesus. No obstruction can block Jesus, no force can limit him from fulfilling his desire to heal you, mind, body, and soul. Isaiah presents us with the perfect restorer, Jesus, our Christ, our own anointed one with us, one who can make the lame leak, the blind see, and the sick recover. To every repentant and converted heart, Jesus promises to perfect restoration in heaven. He promises that when our souls are freed from this earthly tabernacle and the thin veil of our limited understanding is lifted from our eyes, we shall behold him in all of his splendor, King of kings and Lord of lords. My brothers and my sisters, he will put on our lips a new song. He will cause us, cause us to leap when we thought we were too old to leap. 
He will cause the blind to see as he is seen by all of us with a heart to see him. He will take away all that hinders us from our total praise and our total worship. In my home church where I was raised, we used to see people come in the church and they would be walking so slowly. But when the choir starts singing and the preacher starts preaching, we used to see elderly people walking, running around the church, praising God. And I used to wonder as a kid, what's wrong with them? I wanted to sniff the wine that we were drinking. Is it strong? But they were on a wine that's stronger than any human being could make. You see, when they thought about all that Christ had done and is doing and will do for them, they couldn't help but run. Even if they had to limp a little bit like me when they run that. They couldn't stand still because there was something in them that they couldn't hold the reins. The power of God and the knowledge that Jesus Christ saves to the utmost was too powerful, too powerful for their emotions not to be stirred. So friends, during this Advent season, I invite you to climb higher in your praise and worship with God. Allow your spirits to soar to a realm that may have been missing in your life as you contemplate that God sent his son as a baby, wrapped in baby clothes, to experience every single thing that you and I experience. He's experienced being raised in a family. He experienced being betrayed by the very people he came to save. He experienced death and now experienced eternal life. So God, during this Advent season, we pause to thank you for the many gifts that you have given us, for the gift of family, for the gift of love in our heart, for the gift of knowledge of knowing that you are God and your desire is to love us more and we love ourselves. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now, if you